God like my relationship with my grandmother. They're both older than me and want to see me grow up to be all that I can be. They're both loving and full of wisdom and great listeners. But the biggest similarity between them is that I rarely talk to either one. I love them both, but neither one is as interesting as TV or video games, so I just don't have time for them. I still communicate with them about twice a year, and that's enough for me. I would maybe call more often, but Grandma goes to bed so early. And God, he took a whole day to rest while creating the earth, so I have no idea what his sleep schedule is like, and I don't want to wake him up. Oh well, I'll talk to them both on Christmas. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Well, I promised I wouldn't lay a guilt trip on you during this prayer series, but if that describes your relationship with God, you deserve to feel guilty. And by the way, if it describes your relationship with your grandma, you deserve to feel guilty. So a little bit, a little survey here. How many of you all pray? Very cool. So how many of you all really don't care if God listens to or answers your prayer? Uh, how many of you all desire and hope that your prayers will make a difference in your life and the lives of others and make a difference in this world? Fantastic. Good. You're in the right place then. So what is it that makes our prayers powerful? What is it about our prayers that, that moves the hand of God? Is it, is it how long we pray? Is it how often we pray? Is it the passion and emotion with which we pray? Uh, does begging help? Is it the number of people that we can get to show up for our prayer meeting? Surely God answers the prayers of a hundred more than he does the prayers of three. Well, you know, let's answer these questions. And we're going to summarize pretty much during this last message. We're going to summarize what we've been learning. And we're going to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible to do that. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18. Let me give you a little bit of background on this story. So the Jewish people had basically been two-timing their God. They were splitting their allegiance and their worship between Jehovah God, the God of Israel, and the God of their pagan neighbors. And so God sends the prophet Elijah to do something about it. He, he sends Elijah to show his people clearly and to show their pagan neighbors whose God is God. Now Elijah sets up the equivalent of a huge pay-per-view UFC spiritual battle to the death between him and the God of Israel and the 850 prophets of Baal. So you get the picture here. It's 850 versus one. Who would you put your money on? So the terms of the contest are agreed upon. Each side is going to prepare an altar and they're going to put an offering of a, of a bull on that, on that altar, and they're going to pray to their God and ask him to send fire from heaven, and whosoever God answers that prayer will be declared the winner and will be declared to be the one true God. And so, as Elijah issues that challenge from God, along with it is a demand that when this is over, you need to make a decision. If the Lord is God, follow him and you leave Baal alone. If Baal is God, follow him, and you leave Jehovah God alone. But you have to choose. You can't have it both ways. You can't sit on the fence anymore. Now, being the gentleman that he is, 
Elijah lets his opponents go first. And so let's read the story, 1 Kings 18. Now, most likely they began praying at the time of the morning sacrifice, which is around 9 a.m. And it says, so they called, the prophets of Baal called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. So they picked it up and they danced around the altar that they made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, which was most likely around sunset or, or 6 p.m. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid any attention. Then Elijah it's Elijah's turn now. So then Elijah says to his people, come here to me. They came to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. And then he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering. Do it again, he said. Do it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench around it. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you're turning their hearts back to you again. And then, whoosh, say whoosh with me. Whoosh. Hear that? That's the sound of fire coming down. Just so that you know. Just do it one more time. Whoosh. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw this, they fell on their faces and they cried out, read it out loud with me, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So let me ask you, who had the bigger prayer meeting? The prophets of Baal. Uh, you know, we have a monthly fellowship of, of pastors here in Las Cruces, and it kind of is common to kind of compare each other's ministries, which is not a good thing. And so, uh, you know, if, if the question had been asked, and I'm, I'm in one of these meetings, and the question was asked, so how many people were at your last prayer meeting? And if the first person that answered said, well, we had 850 at our prayer meeting, how many did you have, Pastor Dennis? I would lie. I'm sorry. I know I'm a pastor, and a, but I would lie. No way I'm going to say, we had one, and it wasn't even me. <laughs> I'm going to say, we had 851. You know, if, if, if a church had 850 at their prayer meeting and I had one at mine, I'd feel like a failure. So who prayed more? The prophets of? Who prayed longer? The prophets of? Who prayed with more obvious emotion? The prophets of? Who begged and pleaded more? The prophets of? And whose prayer made the biggest difference? The prophet of? God. Elijah. See, all those other things didn't make any difference. And I'm not saying that any of them are bad. They're all great. It's great to have 850 show up at a prayer meeting. My gosh. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but, but when you come down to it, 
Effective, powerful Christian prayer is not about how long we pray. It's not how much emotion we pray with. It's not about begging. It's not about how many people we can get to pray with us. So I, I want to stop here and, and I want to make a little comment. I think it's appropriate. You know, if all religions are basically the same. And if we all worship the same God just by a different name as is so popular today. By the way, very popular with our young people. I'm sure those of you on the college campuses, you've, you've heard this all the time. That we all worship the same God. We just call him by a different name. You know, if, if that's true, then what's the big deal here? What's the story about? Why is it even there? Why would God care? If, if we all just worship the same God by a different name, then that means Jesus is Buddha, is Allah, is Vishnu, is Baal, is Zeus. Obviously, if that's true, somebody forgot to tell the God of this book about that. Because basically, a person that believes that all gods are the same, just we, we call them by a different name, you have to tear out a good number of pages out of this book, out of the Bible. You know, the very first commandment that we're given by God is what? I am the Lord, your God. You shall worship no other gods but me. And then when Jesus gave his great commission to his church, which, by the way, was a death sentence, because he was sending them out to hostile people. So when he, made, when he gave his, death, his great commission to his disciples, he didn't say, go into all the world, go to all people and make them my disciples, unless, of course, they already have a faith of their own. Then skip over them, because they're fine. They're really just worshiping me by a different name. No. He said, go into all the world, to all people, and make my disciples. Because even, even those that belong to other faiths, because they're deceived. And I love them too, and I want them to know the truth. I want them to know me, the one true God. So anyways, that was free. So then, what makes prayer powerful and effective and unique to our faith? Number one, effective Christian prayer is about enjoying an intimate relationship with God. We enjoy a relationship with God uh, that other faiths have no concept of. Because while our God, and we know Him and we recognize Him as a mighty God, a holy God, an awesome God, creator God, we also know Him as a personal, affectionate Father, as our Daddy, who loves us more than we can comprehend with our limited minds. Uh, Ephesians 3, Paul prays this for us. He says, I pray that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep his love is. Read verse 19 out loud with me. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You know, the prophets of Baal were serving a God whose attention wasn't easy to come by. And that's what all the shouting and dancing and cutting themselves was all about. It, it was common belief and practice back then that they had to do something to get God's attention. attention. They had to do something to, to somehow earn his favor and to make them worthy for him to listen to him, to them. I think we sometimes fall into that trap, even as Christians, thinking that we have to do something to earn God's attention and get God to answer our prayers. 
But we feel, uh, if I pray for something often enough, I just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. If I can get a large number of people to pray, then God will hear. If I beg, if I cry, if I plead, God will hear. I mean, just think about what that implies about God, that he's reluctant and he has to be begged into giving us what we want, what we need. If I make myself suffer, God will hear, like through fasting or something like that. By the way, that's not what fasting is all about. It's not about making ourselves suffer so that we can gain God's attention. If I give money to the church, then God will hear. Now that one is true. <laughs> Just saying. Can we take the offering again? You do not have to do anything to earn the favor of God. There are no hoops that you have to jump through. You are his precious son, his precious daughter through faith in Jesus Christ. He is more willing and ready to hear and answer your prayers than you are to pray. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this. This is God speaking. Read it out loud with me. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you things great beyond the reach of your knowledge. Prayer is God's idea. He's the one that initiates. He's the one that tells us, call to me, call to me, call to me. And I will what? I will answer you. And I will show you things too great for you to understand. Well, back to our battle of the gods. So again, the prophets of Baal began praying about 9 in the morning, 9 a.m. And at noon... Elijah begins to mock them. <laughs> now, he doesn't commend them for their faith. He doesn't commend them for their sincerity. He doesn't commend them for their passion and emotion. What he says to them is, it's not working. No one's listening. Maybe you should shout louder. Perhaps he is deep in thought. You know, the, the, the actual meaning of the Hebrew here is that maybe he's meditating, maybe he's praying to his own God. And then he says, perhaps he is busy. Okay, this is the worst cop-out translation. I'm sorry, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want to uh, take away your, your, your uh, trust in, in translations, but this translation was a cop-out, that he is busy. Because if you look at the actual Hebrew... It means something, well, busy, yes, but busy doing something. And I'm not kidding. The Living Bible comes closest to translating this correctly, believe it or not. And this is what Elijah actually says. He says, maybe your God is sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Would you say that Elijah is not politically correct? <laughs> You know, I'm pretty sure Elijah didn't have one of these bumper stickers on the back of his donkey. <laughs> Can you imagine walking into a non-Christian place of worship while they're having prayer and shouting, maybe your God's not listening because he's sitting on the toilet. That is a great way to lose 20 pounds. So all this taunting and everything, it fires up the prophets of Baal, makes them even more determined to get God's attention. They shout louder. They begin to cut themselves with knives and spears. And then 1 Kings 18, 29 says, 
they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. Again, which was about 6 o'clock. So they've been carrying on nonstop for nine hours. So by this time, they're exhausted, they're hoarse, dehydrated, and suffering from blood loss. And it says, but there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Contrast that to Elijah's prayer. It was all of four sentences. Now, we timed this several weeks ago in our services. If you were here, you might remember that. And we timed it in all three services, and we came up with an average of 20 seconds long. His prayer was 20 seconds long. So after nine hours, 850 prophets of Baal could not get an answer to prayer. They could not get the attention of their God. Elijah did not need a crowd. He did not need to pray a long time because he had the attention of God. And he always did. And so do you and I. We always have God's attention. He's always with us, always listening for us to call on his name. You enjoy the privilege of a real relationship with a real God that other faiths don't have. His favor, his attention are yours. You have a God who loves you and who delights to hear your voice. You are his beloved son, his beloved daughter. There was a young girl who was sent off by her mother to bed go get ready for bed, and after a while, the mother goes up to check on her, and as she walks by her room and the door is cracked open, she can hear her daughter saying, and the baby bear said, somebody's been eating my porridge, and it's all gone. And so she pushes the door open, and she sees her daughter on her knees beside her bed. She says, honey, what are you doing? You're supposed to be getting ready for bed. She goes, I know, mom, but I had to say my prayers first. And she says, those don't sound like your usual prayers. And she goes, I know, mom, but I figured God was tired of hearing those same old prayers, so I decided tonight I was going to tell him the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. That is real prayer. That is understanding what prayer is. It's a child talking to her father like he's really there and he really cares. I think that prayer was probably the most powerful God-honoring prayer God heard all that day anywhere in the world. You know, if there's nothing else you get out of this message, get this, and out of this whole series, that the primary purpose of prayer is not to get the things you want and need out of God. The primary purpose is to get what God wants for you, and that is a deep, intimate relationship with Him. To know Him better, to know how much He loves you, to know how much He cares about you, so that you can grow in trust in Him. That is the primary purpose of prayer. Number two, effective Christian prayer boldly praise God's will. Now, do you agree that Elijah's prayer was pretty darn bold and risky? I mean, he must have had this incredible amount of faith for God to answer a prayer like that, right? Send down fire from heaven. Actually, no. Didn't require much faith at all. A friend once asked me, well, what if God didn't send fire from heaven? Do you think Elijah would have been toast? Do you think that the prophets of Baal and the people there would have lynched him? That's a very interesting question, but I'll tell you what I told him. 
There was no doubt God was going to answer Elijah's prayer. And he says, well, how do you know that? Well, Elijah reveals why in his prayer. 1 Kings 18, 36. He says to God, prove that I have done all this at your what? Command. Whose idea was it to pray for God to rain down fire from heaven? Whose idea was it? It was God's. God revealed his will to Elijah. And all Elijah did was obey, and he prayed the Father's will down from heaven onto earth. He bridged the gap there through prayer. What God's will was in heaven became reality on earth through prayer. That's what effective prayer is, by the way. You know, it beautifully illustrates what effective prayer and, and faith are all about. See, real faith is not demanding that God give us what we want. It's not praying and, and, and begging and pleading. Keep on asking and asking until God gives us something that we want. Real faith, real faith is trusting God to do what He has already told us He will do through our prayers. It's trusting God to do what He's told us in advance that He desires to do. And do you know what that's called? When God tells us in advance what he wants to do for us, it's called a promise, a promise of God. That's what the promises of God are. That's why we have to pray with Bibles open. That's why we have to understand the word of God. That's how, why we need to know the promises. Let me say it again. The promises of God are God telling us in advance what he wants to do for us. And when that's what we pray, there's power. There's power, and we can pray with boldness and with confidence. You know, my youngest child, Tiffany, has always loved ice cream. Loved calichis, or it was, when she was growing up, called Scoopies back then. I like Scoopies better, but... And, and she loved Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors, and that's like almost every single day when I'd come home from work, it's, Daddy, Daddy, can we go get some ice cream? And to be honest with you, most of the time I said no. Uh, several reasons. Number one, I didn't want to spoil my daughter. Number two, I didn't want to go broke. And number three, if I took her to get ice cream every day, I would be extremely large because I'm not going to get her an ice cream and not have two or three myself. So one time I'm out of town at a conference or something. I don't remember where I was. But, um, so I called home and I talked to all the kids and I'm talking to Tiffany and Tiffany's missing her dad and she's pretty sad. And so I told her, well, honey, cheer up. You know what? I promise you that when I get home, I'll take you to go get some ice cream. So a couple of days later when I got home, she, of course, first thing when I walked in the door, she runs up and says, Dad, 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 can we go get some ice cream? And I said, I said, yes. But what was the difference? The difference is I promised. And this time she asked, based on the promise that I'd given her, and she knew what the answer was going to be. It's the same with prayer. Same with prayer. Through his word and through his promises, once again, God tells us in advance what he wants to do for us. And we can ask him with the same kind of confidence, no, with greater confidence, that God will keep his promise. You know, so I want to challenge you to pray with your Bible open. Effective prayer and the word of God go hand in hand. 1 John 5, 14 says this. Let's read it out loud together. And we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything 
in line with his will. Number three, effective Christian prayer is a powerful witness to others. Now look at the result of God answering the prayer of Elijah. Verse 39 says, When the people saw the fire consume the offering, they fell on their faces and they cried out, The Lord is God, the Lord is God. So Elijah asked them to make a choice. They made a choice. And who did they choose? The Lord. Not Baal. They chose the Lord. How many of you all think that's a good choice? You know, the greatest tool that we have to win people to Christ and to win those that have wandered from Christ back to Him is prayer. And not just praying for their salvation, which we should, but praying for their needs. I think some of the greatest things that you will see God do through your prayers will be through those prayers that you pray boldly for the needs of lost people so that they can see who God is and that he cares and that he loves them. In the book of Acts, there are 22 recorded miracles. 19 of them result in unsaved people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, which should show you something, should tell you something. God loves to answer prayers that reveal who he is to those who do not yet know him or those who have wandered away from him and need to be brought back. Uh, Number four, effective Christian prayer has unique results. What was the result of the prayers of the prophets of Baal? As it says in verse 29, there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. What was the result of Elijah's prayer? Let's just say that that slab of beef on the altar went from raw to very well done in less than two seconds. So I had not intended to do this, but actually yesterday afternoon before the, the message, I, uh, I came across a story that I thought, boy, this is, this is the way to end my message. And so rather than me trying to tell you the story I want to show you the video and let the speaker that tells the story tell it himself. Now, this is what you're going to see is actually from a message preached by Erwin McManus. And uh, several of us went to a Promise Keepers conference a while back, and we heard Erwin tell this story back then as well. Erwin is pastor of First Southern Baptist Church of Los Angeles, which is now known as Mosaic Church. Uh, Now, let me warn you, it's kind of long. And it's not very good quality. It's going to be a little bit difficult to understand. Bear with it. Try to focus in. There's, there's things that are a little bit more clear than others. It was taken by, from a guy's cell phone as he's looking up at the, the TV screen. He's so far away from the stage. But uh, do your best to listen to this story because I think it really illustrates well the last two points. And that is that God, effective prayer, results in the lost coming to Christ. And it has unique results. So watch this.
Yeah, why don't we... Uh, you know, when I first heard that story, you know what my first thought was? No way. God doesn't do that. I wonder how many of y'all thought that. Why? Why do we think that? If God could send fire down from heaven, couldn't he send snow? H have we really been convinced that the things that God did in the Bible, he doesn't do anymore and he won't do for us? You know, as we move forward, I hope your, your view of prayer has expanded. You know, first of all, I hope that you understand that, that, first of all, prayer is not about asking for anything except to grow deeper in love with God and in trust. And I hope you also know that it's not just about asking for big things, that God cares about every detail of your life. He wants you to ask for small things in every detail and trust Him. If it concerns you, it concerns God. But I also hope that you've learned that God is willing to do so much more than most of us are asking him to do for his glory. And I hope that we leave here and that we are challenged to trust God to do things that are impossible for his glory, for our good, and for the growth of his kingdom on this earth. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I do thank you that we do enjoy just the incredible privilege of having a relationship with you, creator of this universe, awesome, mighty, holy God, and yet you are our daddy. We are your beloved sons and daughters. God, let that sink in to know the privilege it is just to be able to call out upon you anytime, anywhere, and know that you're here. 
know that you're ready to respond on our behalf. Lord, thank you that you care for every detail of our lives. God, that you want to meet every need. And then, God, thank you for this amazing gift of prayer where we can call the will of heaven down to make it reality on this earth. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray in a way that honors you. We don't want to miss anything that you have for us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.